0: Hey guys, thank you for joining me for episode number two. Number one was just a bit of an intro, I do apologise again if you listen to it and it was a bit chaotic with my son running around and um, it was difficult to sort of get the sentences out and, and articulate the thoughts correctly. But I wanted to, in this episode, to focus on, I guess, in more detail, what I sort of felt like when I first became a parent and sort of focus on that. Um, one of the, I guess, one of the difficult components of, of for me um, is that I don't like, my body shuts down um, situations, especially mentally, where I can put myself in situations where I will be vulnerable. So just to give a bit of background backstory, I don't actually like, being vulnerable i don't like i never took drugs i never um i hardly ever got drunk i think i got drunk i'm 33 probably five times max um uh, that would be stretching it but i would say five times max i've been drunk i've never literally taken a a, a legal drug marijuana cocaine not even a cigarette (laughs) and the reason for that is is I don't even like the idea of not being healthy. I don't like the idea of not being in control and not being in control and being vulnerable. Um, just my body just does not handle those situations very well. Um, and I sort of that, that whole situation and mental health is a whole podcast in itself, obviously. Um, But I just wanted to give the listeners a bit of background as to my personality. So, Naturally, I'm a little bit more of an anxious person, and I can panic easy when it comes to do with things that I'm mentally based. Like, I've been in situations where physically I'm in, like, some serious danger, but I've held it really well. Um, There's situations um, in my life where I've nearly, you know, I could have done some serious harm to myself, but I've handled it really well. When it's this mental sort of change or emotional change in my life, where it's going to bring a an immense amount of vulnerability and uncertainty, that's when I start to sort of shut down emotionally and and look for avoidance and escapism. So when I first had my son, my first, my, well, my first, son, my first child my first and only son so far. Um, I remember. You know, just that nervous feeling. Um, but because my wife and I were trying for so long, and I'll get into it in the next episode, uh, my daughter, how that was vastly different. But I think because we were trying for so long to to have Christian, um, it didn't it, it, I was really, really I was really, really nervous. And I was really anxious because I knew this was going to be a massive life change and shift. But I didn't, but it wasn't as big as what Gabriella would become later on down the line. And although that mental health issue that I just spoke about, how reinforced those emotions and um, that uncertainty really was. But with Christian specifically, and I want to make this, the episode one of the big things too was. We are living in a one-bedroom apartment, so we had um, roughly two years before, uh, actually not even, sorry, a year before, before Christian moved in, uh, before we before Christian came, we we had just moved into an apartment. So my wife, we got married in 2014, we bought an apartment off the plan around 2016, that was a, that would become a mistake on various reasons, but in the end like that's okay it worked out in the end but we're living in one bedroom apartment and when it's just husband and wife it really doesn't feel all that bad um uh you know when it's just you and your wife and one bedder, we we always found a way to sort of give each other space and time and i'll always go on my long walks and maybe occasionally play the playstation and my wife would play a nintendo and or read a book, or do, what she was always working at that time anyway, so we always found time to be together, and, 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 and come together, and have our space, and whatever, um, and that was fine, fantastic, um, when, when she got pregnant, I think I took it better than I did Gabriella, and I'll get into that in episode three, because I think I had a lot of naivete, so I didn't really understand exactly what I was getting into because it never happened before and that uncertainty and vulnerability did not feel as heavy as it would with my second child so like in the end when so when she was pregnant now I'm comparing literally in my head the differences between the first and the second like I'm seeing like so many things that I handled better the first time around you would think that I would know what I'm doing the second time around, but I think it was more I knew what to expect, I knew how much life is going to change, Um, again, I knew all the things that we went through with Christian, and so, but the birth, I can't really remember being all that anxious, not like I was with Gabriella, anyway, and really, my wife went to work, I remember avoiding a few conversations here and there about it, because, I didn't know how to process it and all the rest of it. Um, but at the same time, she was working, and so it wasn't always in my face either. Like, um, But then she obviously stopped working about, I think it was about two months before. It was a September, September holidays, a term three, if you're listening in Australia, you'll know what that means. It was around September, and Christian was born in November, so... She stopped towards the end of September. And um yeah, so so I guess there was that naive taste. I didn't really handle it all that badly. Um so I'm walking and talking at the same time so I'm puffed out. <laughs> that's not the anger. that's not the anxiety, that. that's just the me dying, I guess, talking and um, and so I remember skipping up to the birth so we don't drag on too long um for episode number two. The I guess thought feelings of when he was born, again, I think there was a lot of naivete, so that didn't seem even though you would think that there would be more uncertainty the first time than versus the second, um, I just didn't know to what magnitude I guess. Um and so, I love the little bugger to death. He's three years old now in November. The moment he came out, the midwife looked at me and my wife and said, oh, you've got one of those. And I remember thinking, what do you mean we've got one of those? A little child, what are you talking about? And <laughs> to be honest with you, we didn't ask too many questions. But what she meant was is, have a really highly observant child and we wouldn't really know what that meant later on and so in the end we took christian home um actually during the time we we're at the hospital my wife and me mom i, I would basically where at, at the time we weren't living too far away from the hospital so i would my wife went to the private hospital so we would i would go i would, I would go home to sleep so when i got there i knew she wasn't going to sleep at night And at least I had a good night's sleep. So when I got there, my wife can sleep during the day a bit and I could take Christian around. I guess, actually, I shouldn't skip this part because that's when I started realising, hang on, this is going to be heavy. Um, And I remember I would get to the hospital at like 7 in the morning and go home at 7 at night. This was obviously before COVID, so people could come. And I remember my son just would not sleep. But he wouldn't sleep. He would just want to observe, take everything in. He would wait till, like, he just couldn't keep his eyes open anymore and cranked out. And then that's when, sort of, um, he would eventually go to sleep. So, essentially, at that point, I would come in. I would take Christian from my wife and say, look, you sleep. And I remember vividly, eh? I, know, I know it's only three years ago, but... Um, I remember walking around the hospital like crazy, just going around and around and around and around, just because he liked the movement. Um, you know, he liked movement. I think when obviously they're in the womb, so it's a lot of movement and stuff. And so I did that. That made him more comfortable. And and yeah, and so I guess that was the real first realization that Uh uh-oh, I don't know how this is going to be when we get home. And my wife told me later on that she was at the hospital at the time really concerned of how I was going to deal with it and going back to a one-bedroom apartment where there's nowhere to escape. And so I would go back, eventually take them home just to keep the podcast moving and not to get too bogged down in specific events. And I remember my wife would show show Christian around when he was like five days old. show him the the one bedroom apartment. There wasn't really a whole lot to look out for him. <laughs> but um, then we had to set up. The, we we had it done beforehand, but you know he was going to sleep with us. And after a week, I thought we brought back <laughs> something that was just out of his world. And he wouldn't sleep. He wanted to be picked up all the time. Mm-hmm. We did not know what we were doing. So, we obviously inevitably done things that we thought were in his best interest that would make worse, like holding him all the time. Like this baby, we put him down, we put her down, like show back in the cold, hold her for a little bit, straight back. And, and in her credit, too, she sleeps really well so far. Um, but Christian just would not sleep. He would, He was up eight, nine times a night. And I was getting frustrated and and like arguing with my wife and and I just and I was obviously struggling after a week. I remember my my grandmother at the time only lived about at like the time when we lived where we ended, where we lived at the time was only about ten fifteen minutes away from my grandmother's house. And I remember seeing. I think I went to. To see my mom and my grandmother or something and then on the way home i just kept taking the long way home and i'm not sure if, if uh, any days out there can resonate with that but i felt horrible i kept taking the long way home i kept looking for a street so what's the long you know i didn't want to make it obvious um, that I wasn't wanting to go home, but I just anyway anywhere possibly I could, I'll take another I'll take another street longer. I d do, I don't really need to go down this street, but I'll go down it anyway just because it's it's gonna get me home a little like I a minute too long uh, later. And I remember I ain't ashamed to admit it. I remember got uh, getting home and my wife sort of Talking with me, and I, I broke down. And I broke down. And I was like, What? Why don't I want to come home and see my kid? And to my wife's credit, and this is just a beautiful, wonderful soul that she is, she just supported me the whole way through. She's like, Sweetheart, you're probably suffering with a very light dose of postnatal depression. I didn't even think that was possible anyway for a man. I thought it was only women go through it. I mean, after all, they do all the hard work. Um, You know, a man being in touch with his feelings, just not really my thing. But I've learned that, for me, expressing myself through these different things and articulating it and putting a vocabulary around it um, gets me through it. I thought this time I'll make a podcast uh, of Daddy's Journal. And I don't know exactly how long I'm going to... Maybe we'll do one once a month, once a fortnight. I guess when there's a major milestone, I'll probably do one. Um, I think it'd be good just at least once a month. So I'm not looking for this podcast to take off um, and be the biggest dad journal or you know, father podcast um, on the internet. But to my wife's credit, she... Said to me, It's okay. It's okay to feel like this. This is a massive life adjustment. I remember breaking down in front of her, and it was literally, literally, I was definitely depressed at the time. I didn't know what it was. Um, We had a really bad week or two leading up to that event. And then, really, uh, to my wife's credit, I didn't feel like that ever again. But does that mean that Christian got better? Uh, no, in fact, you, you got worse. And so it was really, really, really tough. I would, I would need to go to work. Um, I, I run my own business. I'm a digital marketer. Check us out at you. I do a lot of online marketing content, a lot, of, a lot of content around digital marketing, which is totally irrelevant to this podcast. But um, yeah, shout, shout out, me. why not, eh? So the, uh, the fact was he got more and more difficult. I had nowhere to go. We had that one-bedroom apartment, and it was tough. It was rough. It was really, 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 really rough. And he would get up all the time, and all through the night, and then my wife was fighting. And, you know, I actually thought, and I'm going to confess this, I was so tired one night. I didn't do it. Thank God because I would be in jail. I don't recommend this. But I, I I remember thinking to myself it was a good idea to break into bunnings to get a tent, which I don't know why, why? I had to think to myself to break into bunnings, because I could have gone the next day, gone to a bunnings, day. anyway. But I thought it was a good idea to, to at about 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning to go and break into bunnings, still a tent. Leave the money on the counter. I don't know how I was going to break in. Probably, I got no idea. Actually, I didn't even think that far ahead. I was just going to either smash a window or whatever I was going to do. I was going to get into that building, take a tent, leave money physically on the counter for them, and say, "This is a tent that I stole." Sorry about your window, which I don't think it works that way. Um, it's and and go home and basically sleep on my balcony on my balcony because there's just nowhere to go. Yeah. I actually thought that was a good idea at 1:32 a.m. in the morning. It's not a good idea. It was a horrible idea. But that's how crazy it got. And, and I had nowhere to go. And so going to work was a relief, but I was so tired. So, so tired. I couldn't really articulate my thoughts properly. It was a rough, rough few months. And thank God, I, I, I mean, I got to basically Christmas. Because Christmas was only six six weeks away, or so, right? So, got to Christmas, and so it didn't really matter over that Christmas break as much. But it was really, really, really heavy, and he just he wouldn't sleep for the next year. Same thing. He got he got marginally better. Then around October 2018, actually, it was over the the next, oh, it it was a while. It was like 11 months. It, It was terrible. That whole 11 months, just would not sleep, up every night. He never really, I can't remember him ever having a good night where he would only get up once or twice, like my daughter does now. She gets up two or three times. That's normal. Anyway, that's episode three. So with him, he just, he just I don't want to sleep. He just hated sleeping. We always had to pick him up. And again, credit to my wife. She said, sweet, I, I looked up a, a website, a business that's called Tristillion, and they help their midwives and they help parents and mothers, um, you know, teach them how, techniques and strategies to to put their kid to sleep because my wife and I were fighting all the time at weird hours of the morning where hey. – any other time, with before kids were all sleeping, <laughs> and so our relationship obviously was was impacted. There's no way around that. Um, and yeah, and, and she would not sleep. He would I'm not sleep. Asleep. And so when we went to Tresilian, my wife actually said, "Look, you know, darling, it's you got to go to work. work. It's not fair for you. We're in a one-bedroom yeah. apartment." You know, we have to do something. i have to try something. So she went there around October 2018. And it was a really cool um, place because, you know, how I've told some things for Christian to play with. and um, It was really interesting, you know, really, really interesting for them. My wife got the confidence, more importantly, And the midwives, they could see Christian, and they basically didn't say it in so many words, but they kind of said, look, you you deserve to be here. And I think a lot of mums just come sometimes when the kids aren't that bad, but they just go there because they need a bit of refuge. They just need a break. They just need someone else to go after the kids for a couple of days. And you know what? Before this time, I would have been critical of that because I'd be like, yeah, but you're taking up a bed of a mother that probably needs it more than you do because you just want a break. But after what we went through with Christian, I'm a lot less judgmental on that if, if a mother feels like she needs a break or a father matter, a mother specifically they should they should have that break if they can i mean they, I mean it's a it, especially first time mums, man like it's a tough ride and if you get a son like Christian or a child like Christian and he doesn't sleep and he's up all hours of the night and you can't relax. Never relax. You're just always tired and and irritable, and you got to still make dinner. You still got to do things. You still have to, you know, help me clean the apartment and all the rest of it. I will try my best to do things, and I was always irritable. Come home to work, go to work irritable. Come home because I knew I wasn't going to sleep. But it got better after Trusilian, and when my wife went there, again they didn't say in so many words, but they sort of insinuated, yeah, you, you need to be here. Like, you do, you, your baby does warrant a genuine visit to the Trusillian because um, you could tell some of the midwives, they must have get mothers that really just wanted to be there for their own break. and uh, Maybe that didn't go down well with some midwives. And I can see both sides of the argument. So I don't have a dog in that fight. I can see the mother's side. I can see the midwife side. Um... And there was a mother there. I really wish I went in and And say, like, you are fantastic and wonderful. You're a wonderful human being. Don't let this get you down. There was a child. No word of a lie. I got there to visit my wife and son at around 9 a.m. This kid was crying from the moment I got there. So I don't know how long he was crying. Before that, I remember leaving at 1 o'clock. I'm pretty confident that kid had cried for four hours non-stop and maybe obviously she probably did or he did but i remember we weren't that far away from the room i don't remember that kid not crying it got to the point where you just didn't hear anymore because it was so constant and actually left and that kid was still crying and i really wanted to go up to that mother and say I'm so sorry well, for all you through, but you're a wonderful mother. Just, just give them a vote of confidence. So, yeah, you're a wonderful mother. You really are. Don't let this get you down. Don't let this beat you. And, and, yeah, I mean, really, it you got, you got to the point where, you know, I can I can understand sometimes what these poor parents go through. And but in, in all honesty in all honesty, Christian did get better. Wasn't perfect, but the idea of picking him up and putting him back down the God, which I think was a big problem. He was already not a sleeper and then everything we did just reinforced really him to be able to sleep sleeper. We just can put him down. We can pick him up, you know, hold him for a while, nurture him for a little while, and then put him down. <laughs> you know, like just put him down. <laughs> and uh, we would just keep keeping the hold, hold, hold. And then, um, you know, I even remember times when he would sleep on, like how many times I wake up and he'd fall asleep on the while he's breastfeeding. And then we used to have these massive European pillows. And, you know, he would be sleeping on those European pillows and right next to because the know, needed to eat. And so just putting him down was this, this, it was like a scientific experiment just to put the kid back down just because he just could not handle him being awake. And um, I would remember feeling like I was so happy <laughs> when he would go on the breast because I knew that was 45 40. minutes. I could the rest because he wasn't going to make any noises. Um, but really, after Fazillion, it was still tough. It wasn't as tough. Um, it was. It was. Now he pretty much sleeps. Um, you know, he sort of skips his nap. He doesn't. He does really need a half an hour, forty-five minute power nap in the day, and he wants to have it around three or four o'clock these days. We're just not gonna been to that because that means that if he goes to sleep for like he had to sleep for an hour the other day on me i didn't even realize he fell asleep and that means we're not going to bed till 10 o'clock and we're already tired with our second kid so you know he he, he does need a nap at around 12 1 2 but he just won't go down that early he won't he just won't you'd be you'd be, be trying to put him to bed for three hours he won't do it i mean by that time it's too late he really missed it like he's got to go to sleep early so now, at about if he misses a nap, then about seven thirty, quarter to eight, he's already out cold, and that works out better for us because then we get to spend a bit more time together. And he sleeps till about three, two, three a.m., and then he wants to come into my wife's bed. And so there's still problems there with him, but he doesn't. He, he just gets up and comes straight in. Sometimes my wife doesn't even realize he came in, and I can't sleep in the bed anymore because he does that. And we are so tired, we should put him back in his own bed. But ah, I guess that we failed that part too. So, so but you know what? He sleeps. And, and before my daughter came, you uh, we slept. We slept. And just what my wife and I were just talking about before my daughter was born, that just now, as we started to sort of get that routine back in our own lives, sort of that sleep, really high level sleep and stuff. You know, a good seven hours oh, straight or eight off. hours straight sleep. Um, you know, he's going to go again with our second child. But it is what it is. And it's wonderful to be a parent. and It's great. Um, you know, what we went through with a Christian was tough. But we wouldn't change it for the world. We really it wouldn't. wouldn't. Um, and I, I love him to death. And I'll do anything for him. I look, and every day he, he he always says something to me that's funny, and we and it's just great, you know. I mean, I, well, when I'm not with him, I miss him so much, and and and, and that's the thing. You just once you ride the, the, the hard times, you, you know, you just got to say to yourself, This time will pass, and they're just they're tough little creatures to deal with, but. But you, but you will get through it. You will have the strength. If we can do it, you can do it. Um, and, and so that's sort of where our story is at the moment with Christian. Um, he, he's very extroverted. He's, he's got a really sweet little personality. He, he's got high levels of empathy, like another baby would cry. We'll go to the shops so and if he's another baby crying and crying. He'll get really sad and maybe start crying. He's got a really high level of emotional empathy. Um, he's playful. He's nice. I remember we took him to uh, these kids playing areas, and a couple of kids were snatch toys off, and you just wouldn't let it. You just wouldn't care. Wouldn't faze him. If the kid wanted some. Give it to him. Nothing fazed Christian. He was just—he's just a happy little bugger. And you know, I'm so grateful to God because I'm a Christian. So. Um, I'm grateful to, to have him, and, and he's wonderful. He's tough, but he's wonderful. And I, I couldn't imagine my life now without him. And, I, and there was many times when now, because I'm working from home, but it's, every time I'm at the office working, there's so many times where I just want to come home and see. you know. And, and, and now Gabriella's here, and I don't feel that feeling of like not wanting to go home. Um, you know, not like we're Christian, um, but you know, different experiences altogether. They're so different. They say that every pregnancy is different, every child is different. It's so true, and every experience you would encounter would be different. And and every the more children you have, every single one of them will be unique in their own way. And and the story for Gabriella is, is interesting, and there's still obviously so much story to tell because you don't really know exactly where she's gonna. You know how she turned out with the sleeping, but at the moment it's great. So again, it's not a criticism of my son. I love him so much. It's just for those parents to give them encouragement and confidence to. Hey, look, when you're going through something, there's always someone going going through worse. And you know that's that's pretty much what I wanted to leave you with. Um. We need 30 minutes, so I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. If you got any questions, feel free to just send me an email to my, my personal emails, which is Andrew Glynsoz, G L Y N T Z O S 87 at gmail.com, or just visit my website, OmegaDigital.com.au. That is for business, but if you email me, Andrew at OmegaDigital.com.au, I'll get your email. It'll just tell me it's about daddy journals and if you ever want to have a chat or something, or I'm I'm probably looking for this to eventually become um, a podcast tube, maybe, for trading father stories and and things like that. I think that might be interesting. I never thought in a million years I'd do anything like this. I <laughs> like, really? I never thought I would. Um, but uh, with certain events that have happened recently, which it will be, for episode three, I just I just thought it would be good to sort of lay out my story and just keep talking it out. Um, and, and, I, and I encourage you to do that as well. However, write, speak, however it is you express yourself to get through the situations, do it. Because we all are designed to be expressive. Find your way. That's all I recommend. Find your way. If it's art, do art if it's speaking speak um i'm also a social media professional so i love i tell people businesses all the time get the content out so for you however it is that you need to express yourself to get through these moments do it writing art speaking video whatever it is podcasts are so easy to set up and you can tell your journey and you know what? If nothing else, it makes you feel better. Even if no one listens to it, it, makes you feel better, mate. This one made me feel better. I don't care if no one listens to it. I hope someone doesn't get value out of it. Of course, it's always my intention. But hey, I've been here for thirty something minutes. I feel good about it. <laughs> you know, I got what I got. It, I got it off my chest, um, and I really hope and pray that it does deliver value. That will mean that would just put the icing on the cake. Um, but yeah, and if you're struggling, good luck to you. And shout out if you have any questions. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye for now.